0: This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference, called "Chosen Faithful," in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.
1: Good afternoon. How is everyone? Did you get your cat naps in this afternoon? (laughs) We're going to keep you awake with this Q and A this afternoon. Um, I want to uh, introduce you to a very close and good friend of ours, uh, Brian Savinsky, who has been a strong supporter of our ministry for the last four years. And so uh, we're just waiting on Mike, um, who uh, went to grab his iPad so that uh, uh, Brian can have the questions right in front of him. I just want to take this opportunity also, if you were at my presentation on, uh, when did we start? Thursday? Thursday. Thursday morning, and you didn't get the handout, but you wanted one. The handout is here. Um, that's where we talked a little bit about the uh, Andrews University statement uh, or position paper on homosexuality. Uh, so while we're still waiting for Michael, um, I would just wonder if, Brian, if you would offer a prayer for us this afternoon.
2: Certainly. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, if you would bow your heads with me, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Sabbath day. Uh, we thank you for another opportunity uh, for us to come before you and uh, uh, to do the uh, the work that you have for uh, for each of these uh, team members today. Uh, we pray, Lord, that your presence would be here. Uh, we pray that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, uh, work through each of these. Uh, each of the coming out ministries uh, members today Uh, we thank you lord for the opportunity to uh, be blessed with so many questions on the uh, the issues that we're all facing in in our world today and again we pray that you would be with each of us now it's in jesus name we pray amen okay and and there's michael now perfect timing Uh, just a couple of housekeeping notes. First, uh, we did want to thank you for the amazing uh, response. We have many questions uh, to try to cover in a very small period of time. Uh, so I'd ask that you please pay uh, special attention to each of the questions as we read them, because they may not be worded exactly the way uh, your individual question was submitted, but due to the similarity in some of the questions, uh, we've had to uh, you know, pull those together. Another thing I'd like to mention is that we did have to uh, enforce a deadline as far as which questions would make it onto the list today. Uh, As the questions continue to come in, uh, please feel free to continue to use that number uh, and ask additional questions. And um, uh, any of the team members would be happy to talk with you. Please stop by uh, the Coming Out Ministries booth and they'd be happy to talk to you about anything that. Uh, we aren't able to address today specifically this afternoon okay so uh, starting with uh, and these are uh, very much in random order so i 'll just read the first question that we have here and this was uh, we decided this was for Michael uh, how do you suggest dealing? with an LGBTQ individual as an Adventist summer, a, at an Adventist summer camp? If they are a physical boy that is convinced they are a girl, where should we let them shower, sleep, etc.?
3: Having been a, um, a young person in an Adventist camp and struggling with identity issues, I remember the special problems that I had was that we had open showers for the guys, And while I I felt that I was transgendered, I still also had attractions to uh, same-sex. So Also, even in academy, we had open showers. So I think that those posed special problems and needs for people that are transgendered. But as my colleagues and I were discussing this question specifically, we really realized that we couldn't come up with a really uh, sound answer for this question within just a few minutes of discussion. I believe that this question alone has so many levels to it, because if a child comes and they're identifying as a female when they're a male, then that means that they probably have a closet full of girl clothes. That also means that they probably have parents that have allowed him to paint his room pink and that are actually supporting this move as well. So how do you, you know, tell this little boy that he n- now has to dress as a boy in this camp? How do you protect him from the other boys in that camp that are gonna call on him or make a prey of him And so we realize that this is an in-depth question that needs much more prayer and study to come up with a legitimate answer that not only meets the need of this individual, but also protects the children in the camp as well. And so, again, we don't always know the answer for this, but we certainly identify that there's a great need to have this discussion, especially in the leadership.
2: Thank you, Michael. Uh, Now, Wayne, a question for you. "'Recently I heard a movie called The Danish Girl "'based on a real story that is about a man "'who was transgendered. "'As researchers studied him, "'there was a chemical imbalance within his body. "'He was born with partly developed "'male and female genitalia. "'There are multiple cases of people born "'with both male and female glands. "'Did Christ make people this way for a reason?' How can you approach this, and how is this something we can approach or begin to understand in the church? Also, how can this be something that God has planned?
1: Yeah, that is a tough question. I know that it comes to a lot of people's minds. Um, we ask, why did God do this about a lot of things? In a presentation that I, that I have, um, I, want, I start addressing the sin problem in the fact that it was it was God that created only one male and one female as perfect. And after their sin, we have the introduction of sin and the consequences of sin. I would like to say, first of all, that we don't have all the answers. When we have these uh, Q&As, we like to say that um, while we don't have all the answers, we will always point you to the one who does. But from our experience and from... Uh, referencing those who struggle with things like this um, if God is is in their life and God is their focus, you know, that's most, the most important thing. An intersex person um, has choices that you and I don't have. Um, if they have Christian parents, they can um, watch the behaviors and watch uh, counsel with physicians and psychologists and, and pastors and the Bible and God himself to see how that person's life is going to shape. But intersex people are an extremely low percentage Um, in the population uh, also keep in mind again um, what Satan is trying to use on us to to confuse us and to bring about counterfeit.
2: Okay, thank you Wayne. Um, Michael back to you now. If, If you are a transgender and you date a person of your original gender does that make you a homosexual? A
3: situation happened not long ago where a parent uh, called me, and she was very concerned about her son that had transgendered to a female. She debated about this, felt like it was wrong, but, but her son was suicidal and also on drugs, out of control. He had a five-year-old uh, son that still called him dad. And so she agreed to allow her son to have the sex change, uh, she, she financed it. And then when he came back, now that he was finally in the gender that he was comfortable with, she, she bought into the whole idea that now, you know, her son is now her daughter. And so she, she had called, and her concern wasn't about the issue of, of what, you know, gender her son was now, a daughter. Her question was the fact that, that this person was still attracted to females, And she said, I'm concerned about his salvation because now that he's a woman, his attractions are homosexual or lesbian. And when I thought about that, I thought, how confusing is this? You know, and what do you do in a situation where you have transgenders in our schools or in our churches, and and what's appropriate dating for someone like them? Listen, it's difficult for us here on this panel who recognize our genders and our, our previous attractions and what the future holds for us. But what about somebody who is transgendered and then the confusion that comes in what's appropriate dating? And then I realized once again that you can mutilate your body. I could have breast implants put in and I could take my genitalia and have it deformed into a, uh, and mutilated into a position where it actually resembles the female anatomy but the bottom line is, is my DNA is still male. They've done research and found that even dissecting the brains of transgendered uh, male to female, that they still have the same brain dynamics as a heterosexual male. And so my answer to this woman is, listen, the issue isn't even about his attraction because those are still intact. They never changed, nor did his DNA. It was the body that was changed to resemble the opposite sex, but it never did that. Many transgender, 40% of transgender, attempt suicide because they find that even while you may manipulate the body to appear as the opposite sex, bottom line remains that inside they still recognize and know that they are still the same gender that they were born with, and it does not resolve the mental conflict that came from the uh, gender dysphoria.
2: Wayne, uh, another question for you. How do you address leaders of students who are secret? Uh, how do you address leaders of students who are secretly promoting 7th Gay Adventists? Um, you know, this is is we are living in
1: difficult times and challenging times, and and on our um, even on our Adventist university campuses, we have people in leadership um, who approach. Uh, the topic of homosexuality from multiple perspectives. Um, I think we have to apply the Matthew 18 principle here um, and going to that person and asking them if they would come to agreement with what the Word of God has to say. Um, And I challenge everyone on on campuses, whether they're in leadership or whether you're in a, a learning position, to go back to the Word of God. We... Always um, propose to you that, regardless of who you're listening to, whether you're listening to us or somebody that has a a position that's different than ours, go back to the Word of God and see if it is in agreement with God's Word. Um, if you're practicing a Matthew 18 principle, um, then there is hope under the to the guidance and of the Holy Spirit under prayer um, that someone who misunderstands or misrepresents um, God's Word. Um, could come in agreement with God's Word. I, I've, I personally have had that experience, um, as some of you may have known, uh, with a, a position paper that I wrote um, with regards to a leader in an Adventist university um, who gave a, a pro-gay sermon. And so my call is that they would be re-educated, that they would come back um, to God's principles, um, to God's uh, guidance on, on the issue of homosexuality.
2: Thank you, Wayne. Now, a question for Ron. I understand that there is a difference between transgenderism and people who are born intersexed. However, I'd like to better understand the difference between both groups of people choosing a gender for themselves. Wouldn't an argument made for one group be easily made for the other?
4: The incidence of the intersex births is uh, probably very, very rare. And I'm not a medical person, but uh, my observation is that that is a very rare situation. There have been attempts to determine a gender for such a person while he's still an infant or a very young child, which I think is a very great mistake. given enough time, it would become apparent which gender is more dominant uh, or is the dominant one, and uh, appropriate measures could be taken. However, with a transgender-type person, that is not a physical abnormality. That is based upon feelings, emotions, and thinking. And For this reason, I I differentiate clearly between the two. You know, when we have this acronym, LGBTQI, XYZ, ABC, you know, all of these uh, different uh, uh, perversions lumped together in one big acronym, the LGBT has to do with thinking, feelings, and emotions. The I, intersex, is something, a physical abnormality that does not really even fit. Um, But I just, I think about Romans 12, verse 1, which I would apply to the transgender situation, where the Apostle Paul says, advises us to not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed And when we're talking about transgender, I I just can't help but think about this text. And we're not to be transformed by the mutilations of our bodies, but by the renewing of our minds. And with a transgender situation, this is a uh, a mind thing. Uh, The thoughts, feelings, and emotions are confused. And God has answers for that. If we will follow God's plan and put Him first, others ahead of ourselves, ourselves last... And, and work through the plan of salvation. Uh, the whole plan of salvation is about restoring us to what God meant for us to be in the first place. And I would apply that just, uh, I know I'm saying it very simply, but I would apply that plan to the transgender situation, which I think is
2: very different from the intersex. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Wayne, another question came in. What is the relationship with your mother today, and does she see the damage that she caused you, and is she remorseful for that?
1: Uh, just for sake of clarity, I, I was adopted when I was two and a half years old by an aunt and an uncle. Um, I did meet my birth mother when I was 27 years old, Um, we had, uh, stayed in touch kind of by, uh, mail, a letter or a card now and then. And so when I went to meet her, I was on the, um, the sidewalk, uh, before her house, uh, where she came out to meet me. And, and the first thing she said to me was, uh, don't you think you'd like to shave that beard off your face? and this is after 27 years, it kind of was an indication to me that I didn't think she was going to accept me even as a male today. Um, uh, she uh, did express that she was sorry that things uh, went the way they did. Um, I had a hard time figuring out whether that was genuine or not, In the hour that I did spend with her, the only hour I spent with her in my life, and she is now deceased, Um, I didn't really hear much more in the conversation just from her because of the first words that she said to me that showed that she still didn't approve of me today. Okay, Wayne.
2: Oh, here we go.
1: I, I do want to say though that even before I met her, uh, because I think that the when this question came in, this was somebody who is struggling with with forgiveness, and uh, you know, I forgave my birth mother early in my life. I realized that people have struggles uh, maybe some psychiatric issues and problems in their lives. Um, I thankfully was in in the loving care of an aunt and uncle who did care for me. I was blessed to be in that environment. They did teach me love. They did teach me forgiveness. I guess much like a person whose son or daughter maybe gets murdered, but the parents, you know, forgive the murderer because of the fact that they know Jesus. And because Jesus was in my life and I was taught about love, I was able to forgive and say that God will, will be with me on this
2: journey. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. Um, Danielle, we have several questions for you here, and here's the first one. My boyfriend and I have been together one year, January 6th. We haven't gone all the way, but have experimented. I know it's wrong, but I still do it. I love him, and he respects my no, but how do I establish and keep boundaries?
0: Well, I appreciate this question because we don't only approach the topic of homosexuality in this ministry. We like, you know, we want to address the topic of sexual sin and sexual struggle across the board. I know from personal experience that once you cross that boundary with someone, and especially if you've made a habit of it, it's really hard to establish healthy boundaries. And I would encourage you that, that you need to step back from the relationship, that you guys need to take a break, and you need to have some time to allow the phys- physical separation and the emotional separation to, to change the way that you interact in your dynamic in your relationship. And it would be really beneficial in that time that you guys – study through some of the counsel on healthy boundaries that we've received in Spirit of Prosperity because we have a wealth of information there. Um, there's books like Letters to Young Lovers, Messages to Young People, Adventist Home, things like that. And I would encourage you guys to make it a rule in your relationship that you don't allow yourself to be alone with each other because it's really easy to to step across those boundaries again. And so... If, as you've had that time, and you've studied out spirit of prophecy, you'll know how to have a godly courtship, and God will help you to know when it's when it's time, when it's when you're ready to move forward in doing it the right way in the future.
2: Oh, I kind of need it back, Thank you, Danielle. Wonderful answer to that. Um, a question for Michael. You mentioned that even men can dress inappropriately triggering sexual feelings in gays. Please give some examples.
3: When I was um, walking with the Lord and I'd walked away from my my identity, uh, the five gay bars that were were within two miles of my house, I was doing, um, I was getting together with friends on Friday night. And one of this, fa- there was a family, and my friend, his name was Brian, and, and they, it was this cute little family. They had three little kids, you know, and this cute wife and this cute husband, and they would invite me over on Friday nights. And so in Florida, it's very hot, and all of a sudden I was convicted about the fact that for 20 years in gay culture, I packaged myself in such a way like a piece of meat on a hook. The only way that I could actually feed or satisfy the, the, the deficit of male love was to make myself appealing or attractive to draw the attention of men. And so I did this for 20 years, and I was convicted about covering my body. And as I was trying to do this in June in Orlando, Florida, it was very hot, I went to my friend's house and he goes, Mike, you know, you know why are you in jeans and I just told him about my conviction or whatever and, and about how, you know, now that I was started covering up my body, I started to see it differently. And, and my friend Brian is sitting there in shorts in a rocking chair, and he's rocking back and forth, and his shorts weren't inappropriate. They came to his knee, but they were loose enough to where every time he rocked back, I could see clear up the back of his leg. And, and for someone like me that had spent 20 years with that kind of attention to detail and checking out men, it was making me crazy. And, and just then I said to my friend Brian, I said, Brian, I said, you know, every time you rock back in that chair, I can see up the back of your shorts. And, and he stopped cold and he said, what? And he said, you know, I knew that I didn't turn women on, he said, but I never thought that I might be a, a problem for other men. Anyway, my friend got up and changed his pants and came back and we had a great evening. So, listen, we're all responsible for the way that we dress and we will be held accountable for even, even the distraction that you may cause to somebody that you're not even attracted to. And so one of the things that I realize is not only did covering up my body help to remind me that I'm holy and precious and set apart for God, but it also helps me to make sure that I'm not creating a temptation for somebody else.
2: Okay. Thank you, Michael. Uh, and now, Ron, a question for you. Is there any way someone can be gay, live as a gay person in a happy and monogamous relationship, and still be acceptable in God's eyes?
4: Well, there are two parts to this question, and the first part is, can they live in a happy and monogamous relationship? Well, I've, I've done that several times. <laughs> they never lasted. In fact, research shows that that monogamy in the gay community does not seem to exist beyond five years. Um, There's been a lot of research in this area. But nevertheless, it says, I'm not going to refute the concept that two people could live together in a gay monogamous relationship and be happy with each other, at least for a while, up to five years. But The main part of the question is, and still be acceptable in God's eyes. Now, that's the question. It doesn't matter whether they're happy together, because there are many gay people that are. But the key point is, would they be acceptable in God's eyes? The Bible is so clear, folks, on this issue. Um, And I know, as we have shared many texts of Scripture regarding how God feels about homosexuality, Those who are pro-gay have a, a very interesting way of twisting and turning and resting the Scriptures to their own maybe destruction someday, I don't know. But if you turn the question around and just simply say, can you show me from the Word of God where He does accept it, then the room goes silent. There is no response to that. So, what does God think? And, you know, as Christians, God's thoughts, feelings, and emotions should be number one, correct? And just one example in, Luke, in Leviticus 20, verse 13, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them... Is that monogamy? That's two men. If two men do this, both of them have committed an abomination... That's how God feels, and there is nothing in the Bible that shows that He has ever changed His mind. It is against what He created for us to be in the first place, and um, if we are truly asking about what is acceptable in God's eyes, the Word of God is very, very clear. He still loves you. He cares for you. Jesus died for you, but that behavior is not acceptable, and it will have consequences.
2: Thank you, Ron. So, if that wasn't challenging enough, here's another one for you. Does the SDA church survive the legal climate that is coming regarding LGBT laws? Absolutely. The Word of
4: God tells us that the church will go through. Now, in what form, I don't know, but God's people will go through. We've read the last chapters of the book, haven't we? We know how things are going to end, but what about these laws um, about the LGBT uh, issue and so forth, this is a real challenge to us. And I wrote an article, and I'm not not going to go through that whole article today, but it's called The Devil's Test Run. And um, if Satan can successfully redefine marriage through legislation on a global basis, then he knows he can successfully redefine Sabbath through legislation on a global basis. Friends, if we're not willing to give up our 501c3 over the seventh commandment, we're not ready to give it up over the fourth one either. And so we have to realize, and I think now is a really great opportunity for us as a people to stand firm on the word of God. Don't worry about government funding. Don't worry about accreditation. Don't worry about 501c3s. Because God has more money than the government, and I know He would bless us immensely if we took a stand regardless of the consequences. That's my two cents. What? No, The Devil's Test Run. Yeah, The Devil's Test Run is the name. You can find that, I think, on Advindicate
2: if you want to read that. Thank you, Ron. Danielle, now over to you. How did you handle the situation when your mother was dating other men after the separation of your parents? Were you a Christian at that time?
0: I know that this question's coming as a response of the time that I interviewed my mom yesterday. So the simple answer is no, I was not a Christian at that time my parents separated when I was only six years old. So at first it was kind of like, oh, these are just mommy's friends. And it wasn't necessarily something that was strange or even really that uncomfortable for me. Um, and so as I got older and realized that maybe it wasn't the best situation for my parents to be dating other people, it had just kind of been normalized for me by then because my, both of my parents had been dating people for a while, so. That was my experience for what it's worth.
2: Thank you, Danielle. Michael, we're going to turn to you now. If you're a male and you get with a transgender and you didn't know about their gender change, are you considered gay?
3: The only thing that I have to really compare this to are experiences where people have shared with me there was an Adventist mother of three that had called me and she was very confused and she had compromised sexually with somebody that she worked with and she thought that they were male and so she had compromised and had sex not once but twice with this person and then that person called her up came over and revealed to her that he was actually a she I was just as surprised as you were so I don't think, of course, the first compromise is that she did something that was not in line with God's Word. But even so, God still does forgive. We know that, 1 John one nine. However, if she nows that she had compromised two times, she was emotionally attached to this person and felt confusion because not only did she feel a certain amount of um, emotional attachment to this person— She now was questioning, am I gay because I had sex with someone that I didn't know was a female? And again, look at the confusion of what the enemy is causing in our emotional state. Number one, God's principles are not there to to restrict you. They're there to protect you. Had she honored God's law, she would not have been in this state of confusion. However, God still has an answer for that. And I don't believe that somebody innocently having uh, a relationship with someone who doesn't know whether they're male or female, I don't think that they're held accountable until they do know. But imagine how difficult that decision is going to be for this person now that she's emotionally attached to this transgender person, and imagine the confusion that she faces.
2: Danielle, we're going to send this question your way. If you're gay and you start having a liking for females, are you considered bisexual?
0: So this question is obviously addressed to a man who is considering himself gay and then liking females. And so I'm guessing that this person is a little bit confused about what bisexual really entails. And and it's actually very simple. Someone who identifies as bisexual acknowledges the fact that they have attractions towards both sexes. So if a man is considering himself gay, he's saying, I have attractions to men, and he starts having attractions to female, well, that would say he has now attractions to both sexes, right? So in, in it would make sense that, yes, he would consider himself bisexual at that point.
2: Okay, thank you. This person writes, and we'll ask Wayne to address this, as the parent of a lesbian how do I know how to accept and love my daughter's friend without making them think I approve of their relationship? You know, this question comes from parents to us um, quite
1: frequently, and I speak from uh, my personal experience in that um, at 18, I let my parents know that I was gay, and and my parents said to me, you know, we are... We're sorry about the situation that you're in. We don't have all the answers, but we know that we love you and that God still loves you, and you are always welcome in our home. And not only that, uh, my friends were welcome in their home as well. Uh, my very best friend uh, was uh, very instrumental in in coming to and participating in my parents' 50th, 50th anniversary. Um, I had other friends come to my parents' home. Um, these were not um, Adventists, in some situations not even Christian. Uh, My parents didn't change their routine. They didn't do anything different. They still had worship in the morning. We prayed before meals. We had worship in the evening. They would study their Sabbath school lesson. And my friends would always come away and say, wow, your parents are absolutely amazing. And so... I share, we all share, that our, our duty is to convey God's love, pure love, to people without compromising the truth of Jesus Christ. It is possible because Jesus put himself amongst the, the most unlikely sinners or, you know, those uh, who were outcasts in society. He didn't hang out with them to approve of them, but to draw them unto himself to show them that there is a different way. Don't do it with a sledgehammer.
2: Amen. I think we all understand uh, and appreciate that answer, Wayne. A question for Ron. Could heterosexual anal sex lead to homosexuality? I don't know.
4: (laughs) You know, this is a very (laughs) strange question. But I must say it's a very real question, a very gen- I don't want to put down the question. This is a real question that deserves a real answer. Um, let me just say this, that whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, this is a perversion of what God created uh, to exist within the sacred institution of marriage. Whether it, one leads to the other, I don't know. But, you know, the Bible does... I think address this to a point in Romans 1 verse 26 in the text that says, for this cause God gave them up unto uh, vile affections. It says, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Now, if we've ever studied anatomy and physiology, we know that that part of the body was designed as an exit, not an entrance, it's against nature to to uh, involve oneself in this kind of behavior, but I think the Bible is addressing that. I really don't see the connection between the heterosexual and homosexual because this is practiced in both arenas, and I don't think that one leads to the other. It's just, in my observation, uh, a, a perversion. Now, some of you may remember this a little lady who was a sex therapist expert on television all over the place for years named Dr Ruth and what she said was that whatever goes on between two married people behind their closed doors is acceptable and okay i don't think she's following bible principles and so if we are christians we follow bible principles I think we would come to a different conclusion than that.
2: Thank you, Ron. Now, Wayne, back to you. I've heard many testimonies of deliverance from homosexuality, but is it full restoration to heterosexuality or simply a turning from sexual sin?
1: I was on a a radio interview one time Um, we were talking about healing and the subject of being cured came up Um, and there was someone who used to be lesbian who was on this interview along with Mike and myself and and so the and the officiating uh, uh... elder on the call was talking about being cured and the uh, the ex-lesbian or former lesbian said that yep she didn't have any temptations no attractions she was most definitely cured and I began to my heart began to sink and I began to think Um, I wonder what that really means because I haven't developed attractions to the opposite sex um, or I uh, still have uh, temptation. Am, Am I not cured then? And therefore, what business do I have being in this ministry today? And I got off of the interview phone call, and I was really distraught about it. And, and about 10 minutes later, Mike called me on the phone, and he says, you're not very happy about how that interview went, did, are you? And I said, no, I'm not. I said, I still have these attractions today, but I surrender them to God. And, and I said, you know, uh, a, a pickle is cured, <laughs> but a pickle goes through a process. And so he says, I just think you got the name of your book. (laughs) And I said, yeah. I said, we're on a journey. And so it is, I am on a journey. I have experienced so much uh, sexual intimacy in my life. Could it be that God was saying, I don't want you to switch tracks this very second to have new sexual intimacy. What I really want, Wayne, is I want you to have intimacy with me and that you are a unique individual. So while Ron may marry and become heterosexual, Wayne might be on a journey in which he realizes that through his sexual temptations, I need to rely upon God. I need to... develop deeper intimacy with Jesus, and walk with him, even if it is to the day of his second coming. It's not about going from gay to straight. It's about allowing your heart to be transformed to live in agreement with Jesus
2: Christ. Amen. Yes. Danielle, is there anything wrong with identifying as asexual?
0: Well, I would point you to a very valuable resource, if you were not here, for the second session of our breakout. Wayne did a presentation called Identity Matters, so he talked in depth and extensively on on identity and the importance of that, so I will be kind of brief in answering this question, but essentially, um, I think that it's important that we realize that sexuality doesn't have to define us. And I think that you can see from the answers that we've been given, giving through these questions that this whole sexual rat race that we've been placed on in the world today is very confusing. And once you enter into that, there's just more confusion that comes up. and so. Identifying by your sexuality is placing yourself in, in a very gray area that that's just going to lead farther out into the wilderness. But just as much as that, we try to help people realize that we shouldn't have our identities truly tied up in anything other than Christ. Because if we have an identity in anything other than Him, it's not going to be a healthy identity, and it's going to be focused on us. And essentially, we all need to come to that place where we realize that that he is the one who defines us. He is the one that establishes our true value. And we're told in Scripture that that we're a new creature in Christ. When we become a Christian, he is the one who, who shows us who our true identity is.
2: Thank you. Now, Ron, I want you to listen to this question closely because I think there are two or three question marks in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10 describes the types of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God and includes homosexuals in the list. Then verse 11 says, "Such were some of you," and mentions washing, sanctification, and justification in the name of Jesus by the Spirit. How literally should verse 11 be understood? Can homosexual temptations be completely expelled from the mind? Why are some people given 100% victory while others have to struggle with that temptation? The same for same-sex attraction. Well, this text of Scripture actually was a
4: pivotal, pivotal text in my journey back to the Lord when I read such were some of you my heart skipped a beat. I got so excited that this thing with me could be in the past and that I could be washed, I could be, uh, you know, cleansed from this sin. But the question, how literally should verse 11 be understood? We should understand it literally. We are to accept the Bible as it reads. Now, this is not symbolic language. This is very plain language language. And so as we accept something like this, literally, that gives us something to anchor into and move forward with. Uh, The next part of the question, can homosexual temptations be completely expelled from the mind? Yes, they can. Now, I say that, that doesn't mean that they won't, that you will not have temptations, but they can be expelled. Do you get the point? Um... I tell people I was baptized 24 years ago, Satan wasn't. I chose a new direction for my life, Satan did not stop being the tempter, right? So he can throw temptations of the most bizarre things my way and I go, whoa, where did that come from? It's not something I came up with and you can throw it back, no thanks, nice try, not interested. We can expel the temptations, but we can't prevent them from coming. But we can certainly get rid of them very quickly uh, by taking every thought captive, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and so forth. Um, here it says, why, the question says, why are some people given 100% victory while others have to struggle with that temptation? And I think of, well, I was just talking to Penny Nichols down here, uh, Harrison. <laughs> she reminds me of someone... <clears throat> In my church, the head elder told me how he prayed the Lord would just take smoking away, and he did. And he threw his cigarettes out the window and threw his lighter behind it, and he became a, he became a litter bug instead. But, <laughs> but he said, my wife still dreams about smoking. And I said, well, do either of you smoke? How long has it been? Well, it's been 20-some years. I said, so which one of you has victory? Well, we both do. I said, okay. So that's the point. It doesn't matter whether you have temptations or whether you struggle or not. What matters is how you deal with it. Jesus suffered, he struggled with temptation, even to the death of the cross. And so this, this can also apply. Uh, it says the same for same sex attraction. Yes, when we bring every thought into captivity and we start practicing controlling our thoughts and reacting to temptation, It's called starving the old and feeding the new. And that's what I have practiced in my life. I still practice in my life. You notice I'm still practicing. Uh, You know, practice eventually makes perfect. And so we're still practicing with these things. But yes, let's take this text literally. If we take them literally, we will have some literal successes in our life. And when we are to be new creatures in Christ, the spirit of prophecy says that means new motives, new tastes and new tendencies, and a genuine conversion changes hereditary and cultivated tendencies to wrong. Again, it is that process, maybe that pickling process that I heard about a while ago. It's a process, but it will work. We just keep surrendering to Jesus each and every day.
2: Thank you, Ron. And Wayne, this is a very similar question, but slightly different, Um, so I think we'll go ahead with this. Will the same-sex feelings, struggles, and temptations that someone has ever go away? I hope so.
1: Um, that's my prayer. I took it from the, from the person asking the question that they're probably asking it from a point of desperation. And I understand that. Um, there are people to me uh, that are still saying to me, people inside our denomination today that are saying, uh, Wayne's still gay. Uh, he's just a non practicing Christian. I mean, non practicing homosexual. Um, we talked about that in the pres- presentation that I gave on Thursday. Um, I'm not defined by my temptations. And so I'm defined by who Jesus gave me the right to be, which is a new creation in Jesus Christ. And as Ron mentioned earlier, um, I was baptized, not Satan. And remember that Jesus was tempted all the way to the cross. Sometimes uh, we don't understand God's ways. And sometimes we don't think that's even fair. But God knows what's best for Wayne Blakely. God knows what's best for you. In the fact that I'm still faced with same-sex attraction every day, it is a reminder to me of who holds the solution. It is a reminder to me that I put my temptations at Jesus' feet and that I cling to his promises. And that would be the same, I hope, for you as well. I'll tell you something. If Jesus takes my same-sex attraction away from me today... He'll have something before me tomorrow that I'll also be asking him to take away as well.
2: Thank you, Wayne. Okay, the next question we have is for Michael. Does an adult who has had same-sex attraction, since they can remember as a result of sexual dreams, yet has never had sex and is surrendering to God and gaining victory, have to tell their parents about their struggle? Or can they just keep it between them and God? What if they have fallen in love with someone of the opposite gender and want to pursue a relationship toward marriage? Do they need to tell their prospective spouse that this struggle, about this struggle and the details of past failures in this area? One
3: of the things that I found in my struggle also, after I'd gotten the victory over uh, sexual addiction, pornography, and even acting out sexually, I found that I started having demonic dreams, because once I got the victory over the physical, Satan still had control of my mind whenever I indulged temptation. If I saw an image that I didn't confess, if I was looking at something and, and didn't confess it to God, then what that did is that gave Satan a foothold into my, my dreams at night. So I was having demonic sexual dreams that were homoerotic. One of the things that I found that was so helpful to me was as I started to share with two individuals that I could trust that were also struggling with pornography addiction, they started to pray for me. They were able to magnify the prayers that I was already sending up. And in that process, not only did I find... Um, um, community that was actually willing to help me that didn't judge me, not only did I find that, but I also found a much more and deeper victory over these dreams because I had the assistance of someone else. One of the things that Wayne talked about is that when we hide what we struggle with, especially in church communities, because it makes sense that we have very unsafe places in churches because of the judgment that we faced as people that struggled with same-sex attraction, is that we couldn't share what we were struggling with, and in, sense, in a sense, what that did is it caused that to grow in darkness. And so again, remember, in James chapter 5, it talks about confessing our faults one to another, not in a way to glamorize them or glorify them, but in a way to really seek help. And one of the ways that I was able to get that help was when I was able to openly uh, come to someone that I trusted and share with them what I was struggling with. I hope that you have parents that are understanding and loving. I hope that you have parents that understand the true Christian struggle and would actually be a place of support for you. But if you are not, if you don't feel that you're in a safe place, even with your parents, not necessarily should they be the ones that you share with. And if you're falling in love, you're having feelings for this girl, and praise God that, that this is the, the direction that you're moving, I would hope that if your relationship was truly truly growing towards an intimate relationship of marriage, I'm hoping that you would have the safety and the freedom to, to confess what you've been struggling with in a way not just to receive help and, and, and to be um, um, transparent, but also to find understanding and support and love. It could be a way of also solidifying the fact that this is
2: the right person for you in the future. Thank you. Now, I see we've reached a question that we have not previously assigned uh, to one of the team members, so I'm going to go ahead and read the question, and then we'll ask uh, any of you to respond. How can an Adventist individual working in the mental health field use the principles given in the seminars to help clients who are still trapped in this when the world goes directly against their faith? There are many restrictions working in this field. How can one avoid compromising their faith? I think Ron is a taker here.
4: I was just studying this question because this is a very serious uh, question in this day and age. You know there are now laws um, in California, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., and a number of places that forbid counseling teenagers about what we're talking about today. You can counsel them to embrace their homosexuality, but you can lose your license if you counsel them that there is a way out of it. And I think that that's really quite a travesty that basically the gospel is being outlawed, because what we are sharing is the gospel to a global community, the gay community. And... If we, um, if we are not allowed to share with them uh, a way out of what God calls abomination that is destructive, uh, this, this is really a sign of the times, folks. But I'll tell you what I have done in a number of places I have traveled where I've been told, you can't talk about this, you can't use this language and so forth. Um, I always pray that the Lord will give me uh, wisdom that I can be as... Um, wise as the serpent, wiser than the serpent, and harmless as a dove. And I have found that if if I just tell stories like my story, no one can accuse me of counseling if I'm just talking about myself, right? So, I tell what the Lord has done for me and what has worked for me, and I'm not telling them what to do. I'm just saying, you know, um, this is how things have worked in my life and decisions I've made and so forth. Uh, I know this is a very, very sticky issue, but I would say just pray earnestly that the Lord will give you the wisdom to not let someone under your uh, counsel slip through your fingers. This is a soul for the Lord uh, that Jesus died for, and I really think He can give you the wisdom to reach that person without um, jeopardizing your license. Uh, I don't know. Maybe people will lose licenses. But the point is we need to realize that we, we have a soul's uh, eternal life at stake, and we should do whatever
2: we can through the wisdom of God to reach that person. Amen. Thank you, Ron. The next question we have is for Danielle. Is masturbation wrong if you don't have dirty thoughts? Is masturbation while thinking of your significant other or wife wrong?
0: Well, I think a simple way to put my response to this question is, it's kind of like asking, you know, can I, can I go in and take something that's not mine if I'm not thinking about stealing or something like that? You can try and say that your physical activity is not corrupting your mind, like, taking something that's not yours isn't making you a thief, but essentially, everything that we experience and everything that we do is going to, it's planting seeds of lustfulness in your heart. But the essential thing is that I don't think anyone can accomplish that task of masturbation without some kind of fantasy or lustful thoughts, because they just naturally go together. As much as you try not to, your, your mind is going to travel in that channel because that's just what's going to happen. I think the second part of the question of masturbation while thinking about your significant other, again, you're creating a lustful environment within your mind and in practicing something that God designed within a specific context, just the way that he doesn't want us to have sex outside of marriage, there's almost an extent to which you're practicing that that kind of idolatry in your life, even if it's just masturbation. Because God created sex, (laughs) he gave it to us within a certain context because he wanted it to teach us certain things. (laughs) Through that journey, he desires for us to have sexual experience that ministers to another person and that creates a bond with them that is sacred. And so we see divorce at a rate In the church that is just as prevalent as it is in the world and I think that's because we've come to view sexuality as a right and something that is is geared towards fueling my desire and fueling my pleasure but that's not what it's about and so when you're practicing self-abuse you're really cultivating a sexual perspective that is focused on self instead of focused on another person and that's never healthy.
2: Thank you, Danielle. Wayne, we have a question back to you. Being that we are not pro-homosexual marriage, how would you go about expressing that, a homosexual, that to a homosexual in a way that it won't ruin your friendship? Um,
1: you know, I can only look at this from the standpoint of my responsibility. I don't have the ability to control how my my answer is going to if that person's asking me a question how they'll respond I, they may choose the, to end the re, the friendship But my responsibility is to bring it back into the realm of of God and God's holy precepts for us. Um, Also, at the same time, while I'm doing that, I want to do it in a loving way, not a judgmental way, and say, you know, are you willing to explore this with me? My personal belief is in a biblical grounding about this. I haven't been able to find that God supports same-sex marriage or same-sex union, but I hold out for God's original plan. Um, as people make decisions in their life today, um, many people don't make their decisions based on God's Word, but they make their decisions based on what their feelings are, and I respect your right to make a decision however you choose, and uh, like a parent or a brother or a sister or a friend— or like Jesus himself, I'm going to keep loving you. Uh, I'm going to keep, uh, I, I want to do things with you. I have hope that we can go to dinner together, go hiking together, um, do, do what everyone wants to do in a social environment. Um, I will keep caring about you um, as long as it doesn't compromise my personal beliefs. And, and I pray that you will understand this.
2: Michael, is there a correlation between masturbation, pornography, perverseness, and homosexuality?
3: All of them, I believe, cheat you out of the the intimate relationship that God had intended for you. God said in the beginning of Genesis, he said that a man shall leave his mother and a woman leave her home, and the two shall be one flesh. Anything outside of that in a committed relationship denies you what was designed to bring you the most fulfillment. And so, yes, there's absolutely a correlation between these three things. And the sad reality is, is many of us have given that right away by beholding even a a piece of paper or a computer screen. How sad that you've denied yourself the intimacy that was designed between one man and one woman to behold, to actually touch and feel and relate to the person that God intended you to be with. And so, again, it's not that, that these things are denying you the expression of yourself sexually. All of us on this panel have realized that this denied us the fullest expression of what true intimacy was. My sexual addiction was spawned because my relationships with men never satisfied me emotionally or spiritually. And so why deny myself the things that God has, has planned for me? And while that cost me a lot, the things that I had cultivated, the things that I, had, I felt were hereditary, but the one thing that I realized is the peace of Jesus Christ satisfies more than any masturbation encounter that i had any pornography encounter that i had or any homosexual relationship that i had his abiding presence is more than enough until he provides for me a woman that i can express myself with on an intimate sexual basis
2: thank you now a question for ron oh uh, yeah i think we'll just keep going for a couple more minutes we know time is getting short Uh, Ron, can homosexuals be happy in the God-ordained plan for marriage, that is, man and woman, or will they always fight their natural desire to be with a person of the same sex and thus never find satisfaction and love in a heterosexual relationship, as portrayed in some movies?
4: In my youth, this was my very question, and I had battled with the gay concept in my mind uh, for many, many years until I finally chose to be married, thinking marriage would be the solution. But let me just warn you, young people, marriage is not the solution to any problem. It could be the beginning of woes if you are not married for the right reasons to the right person and with God's blessing and and uh, in a, uh, a mindset to um, love in a selfless way. But the question says, can a ho- can homosexual be happy in God-ordained marriage? No, not if you're homosexual, but you can turn away from homosexuality, which I did. I walked away from that 24 years ago, gave my life over to the Lord, invited Him to give me second chances and double portions in my life, and uh, no one was more surprised than I was that within one year I was married. I've been married now for 23 years, and we, our youngest children are 21 and 19 now. But um, my testimony is that God can certainly change your life and lead you into a new direction, and you can have a very rich and
2: fulfilling life under God's plan. Amen. Uh, now, Michael, a, a very common-sense question for you. How do I respond as a Christian if a gay person hits on me?
3: I think it's a very real question because one of the things that I find, um, let me give you an example of Christian men. Christian men have compassion. christian men, um they they have similarities of sensitivity. And I think that they can pick up on certain situations. And I think that, especially for someone like me that had come from homosexual attraction, that sometimes it would be easy to mistake somebody's kindness for maybe an attraction in return. And so there was a pastor that called me about a situation where he was beginning Bible studies with a young man that was gay. And the young man told him that he had attractions for him. And he said to me, he said, I want to know how I can relate to this individual and yet not, you know, have him to feel like I'm returning his advances. He says, I recognize that this person is a child for the kingdom. And he said that this person genuinely is seeking the Lord. And so the counsel that I had to give him was to understand that if this person is attracted to him, that doesn't mean that anything's going to happen, because again, if the pastor knew what his own identity was, he knew that this wouldn't be a problem. However, there were precautions that I think that we need to take, and one of them is to protect the person that has the attractions to make very clear boundaries, not to dress inappropriately in front of them, you know, to give them every opportunity uh, to be in at a public place so that, you know, something else can't happen, you know, that would compromise your relationship between this person. So there are guidelines to do, but I love the fact that this pastor saw this person as a soul for the kingdom instead of seeing them as repulsive because they were hitting on them. And I think that only a true Christian who understands the value of a soul can see past the fact that even though this person's lifestyle may be repulsive to them or or not interesting, that they still saw past that enough to be able to want to minister to that person's need.
2: Thank you, Michael. We have just a few more questions. Ron, in the context of marriage, how do you know if you're addicted to sex? That is a very interesting and a very good question, and the first thing that
4: comes to my mind is this. If your focus becomes self-gratification, you're probably addicted to sex. In marriage, your focus should be on uh, the other person and making that fulfilling the other person. And if the other person, if your spouse is not in the mood if your spouse is not consenting. If you become demanding and pushy, uh, then you're probably addicted to sex because uh, sexual intimacy in marriage should be something beautiful and mutual, and you focus on making the other person fulfilled and happy above yourself.
2: Thank you, Ron. And another question for you now, and this is one that I've thought of as well, is gender role confusion a sign of the end times? And if so, why? Yes, I think it's definitely a sign of the end times because Jesus himself said
4: so. In Luke 17, there are uh, two texts. He says, um, as it was in the days of Noah, you know, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes and and then again, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be when the Son of Man shall appear. And you look at the, um, the culture, the society in those two situations, and that's where we are today. There is so much confusion about uh, sexuality, and I really think that it is centering on Satan's attempt to destroy the family unit, because if he can destroy the family unit and the marriage that God has ordained from the beginning, uh, <clears throat> then he can bring down God's people altogether. Uh, biblically, it is definitely one of the signs of the end. We, we we saw what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah when they gave in to uh, not only pride and, and um, uh, the homosexuality and adultery and, and all of these different things, It was a sign of the end of their culture. But the same thing happened with Greece. The The same thing happened with the Roman culture. What we see now is this same thing on a global basis. And so for me, it's quite apparent that global society is coming to an end. This is a sign of the end of global society, just as it was with Sodom and
2: Gomorrah, Greece, and Rome. Thank you. Wayne, this person texted, do you think the church should take a stronger stance against the legalization of same-sex marriage? I don't know that I would say that
1: we should take a stronger stance, but I do believe that we should not compromise God's word or be ambiguous about God's word and that we should use clear uh, definitions and clear language and not adopt or adapt to the language of others. Um, we, I know right now we heard when we were at a camp meeting recently uh, from someone who had come out of homosexuality who came and said that he wasn't really finding the support that he needed inside of his own church, that his pastor, his Adventist pastor, said that if a same-sex couple came to him, that he would most indeed uh, marry them. And we're finding more and more, I have a couple other congregations that have uh, contacted me with regards to endorsing um, uh, homosexual behaviors uh, within the church. And so you're going to see, you're going to put, be through, put through a test. Um, we know this, we've heard this, and if you study uh, uh, prophecy, uh, end time issues, uh, we are facing. God is calling us to be a peculiar people. We face um, our own church, uh, you know, nearing uh, a, a, a split. You know, it, I mean, it could come down to that. I pray it doesn't, but it's possible as I begin to listen to uh, people speak to me today and where compromises coming into place. Um, you don't have to, like I say, don't, don't, you don't have to use a sledgehammer with someone, but just hold the, the biblical principle in love towards the people that you're dealing with them. Direct them to the Word of God. Direct them to His great love and the fact that God only wants the best for you and that we don't try to equate our knowledge with God's knowledge.
2: Okay. Ron, we're going to direct this question to you. How should one confront a spouse who may be secretly struggling with homosexual, or bisexual attraction or behavior? What challenges can be expected in reconciling such a marriage?
4: Well, this can be an extremely difficult and awkward situation, Um, but nevertheless, the spouse should be confronted uh, from a redemptive mindset. Um, And... If there is a desire for help, then they should work together to get that help. If there is resistance, um, then that creates another level of a challenge. Um, but this can certainly destroy a marriage, the the secret sins within a marriage. And so uh, the only thing I would say at this point, especially with the interest of time, there definitely needs to be some uh, counseling, and the spouse who is not caught up in that should very strongly encourage the other one to um, get involved in some counseling and get some help.
2: Thank you, Ron. Over to Michael. What do you say to people who argue that research has shown there is scientific evidence of homosexuality in the brain, and it is not a matter of choice?
3: Um, I actually have a quote here from a homosexual researcher, Simon LeVay, who is gay himself, and he studied the hypothalamic differences between the brains of heterosexuals and homosexuals. And this is his direct quote. It says, homosexuals are not born that way. I didn't show that gay men are born that way, the most common mistake that people make in interpreting my work, nor did I locate a gay center in the brain. I want to refer you also back to Ron Woolsey's, um, uh, the end of the presentation that we did on Friday with the testimonies. And he actually showed that there was um, statistics that showed in a study of 100 identical twins that they actually found that only, what was it, 14%? Seven percent. Seven percent of identical twins. If one was gay, the other one was gay. The only way that you could prove through identical twins, that if one was gay, that the other one would be gay. It would have to be 100%. Because their DNA is the same.
2: Okay, thank you very much. We would like to end. We're going to have to cut off the questions there. I want to surprise Ron and ask him if he would mind closing for us in prayer today. Thank you.
4: Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have had today to discuss these very serious and legitimate questions. Uh, We're living in an age of confusion when all around us there seems to be moral chaos, rebellion, defiance, perversion of every imaginable kind. Surely the coming of Jesus is very soon. I pray that the seeds that have been sown this afternoon will be helpful to those who have questions and that you will continue to bless this ministry as we continue to search for answers for ourselves and for others, and that you will bless everyone here that has shown an interest in this subject. Uh, Many of them probably know someone who is struggling with uh, sexual issues and we just pray that you will continue to work to enlighten and equip them to deal with all of these um, issues in a redemptive way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible based, Christ centered and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.